2: The first, degree. first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see
3: it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. It's the thing, you know, the intriguing thing about it it's a mystery that is unresolved. And that's the... Uh, uh, I think that's a truthful statement. Now, the FBI may say, there's no mystery. This guy killed these people. The only mystery is where is he? Well, okay, then that's the part of the mystery that's unresolved. It'd be sort of fun to look at the FBI and say, and why can't you find him?
4: Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting next to Billy Jensen and across from Alexis Linkletter. I just switched the order of your guys' names up. Does that trigger your OCD at all? Yeah, I'm a little upset by that. Are you? Are you, Billy?
2: I'm fine.
5: He wasn't paying attention.
4: (laughs) Billy is so chill. Before we jump into uh, what day it is, uh, if you guys didn't hear on our last episode, we're going to be at crime con in new orleans on june 7th through 10th billy will be with us sometimes when he is not too busy rubbing elbows with the crimeys the crimeys um and if you guys want to come you can get 10 percent off your badges using our code degree 19 it's gonna be fun we're gonna wear suits we're gonna have drinks we'll have drinks with all of you yes, yes. interesting anyways what day is it today billy
2: It is National Give Someone a Cupcake Day.
5: Oh, Why didn't you bring us cupcakes or anything for that matter?
2: I brought you guys a 24-ounce beer that we could share. For yourself.
4: I know. Just so everybody knows, like, when we have our podcast, we have some snacks, we have some beers. And usually it's Alexis and I bringing said beers and snacks. But today, Billy decided to bring his own <laughs> single single beer 24
5: ounce beer <laughs> and we're like cool thanks for the um thanks for sharing the, effort, the
4: that's team effort
2: not, you you guys had already said you what you were bringing and i was like you know what i'm just gonna bring a light beer
4: and then you've drank all and my beer and, you and then, all drank, jack's then, I'm, beers. then i'm just
2: drinking all of jack's beers but actually more <laughs> importantly than the cupcake day it's actually ve day
5: what's ve day
2: it's victory in europe day where we beat hitler
5: Oh, oh, that is yeah. a good one, because that is the biggest crime there ever was. <laughs> crime against
4: humanity. humanity. Yes, yep. exactly. And do so. you know
5: what else it is?
4: It's See, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what Billy usually does, and I'm going to tie it around to true crime. I can't wait. It's National No Socks Day. Oh. And do you know <clears throat> who is obsessed with socks?
2: Other than me. Anyone?
4: Billy
5: Jensen. Ted Bundy. Oh, I. you know, that's right. Ted Bundy. You told, you said that on the Ted Bundy. Was episode. obsessed
4: with socks, and I just googled Ted Bundy and socks, and I found some quotes from him. Um, one of the quotes is: "One of my fondest dreams is to have all the underwear and socks I could ever conce- conceivably use. It's one of my fantasies to be able to wear new socks every day. And I must admit, I've had three or four dozen socks all purchased on stolen credit cards." Even in Pensacola, I went to the shopping mall and bought some socks. I was buying socks everywhere.
2: Wait, in Pensacola when he had escaped? <laughs> yeah.
4: Jeez. I've got a sock fetish, no question about it. I must have six or seven pairs right here with me in my cell. Oh my- I'm very close to my feet right now. I'm lying on my back with my foot propped up on the bars, and I'm studying my toes for a good portion of the night. They're probably the most attractive feet you've ever seen. <laughs> what if- have we never
2: around. heard these quotes before? We have not, but here's the interesting thing is that... I have more. Okay.
4: I have to say, they're so weird. I'm ready. You can go back in. I'm ready. Socks are such a serious part of my life. They're so very (laughs) important to me. They've kept reading the list of socks. They kept reading the list of socks and all in court. And I felt proud. Honestly, it didn't even begin to occur to me that people might wonder why I have all these socks. I just felt proud that I owned all of these socks, like a man who stands at the back of his ranch house and looks out over the range and sees all the cattle. The only time I began to have a little bout of sheepishness, she it really sounds like you're quoting Billy
6: right now. <laughs> she this
4: was when I read about a white sock with a blue bar and green stripe on the toe. Those are odor eaters, and that was getting too personal.
2: Can you wow. like how have never? The big question is: is that is that going to be in the Zach Efron movie?
4: Okay, so let's jump into our case, Miss
5: Alexis. Or I mean, let's jump back into our case. Miss Alexis has a nice ring to it. So, last week you guys observed. You guys listen to us talk about the first part of the Bradford Bishop investigation. And essentially, to reset and remind you guys of where we were, Brad Bishop, he was mid-career as an aspiring diplomat ambassador. He became a name and face on wanted posters distributed nationwide. He was a hunted man believed to be armed and dangerous, charged with the savage murders of his own all-American family mother, three sons, and wife. On March 12th, 1976, he told his secretary that he was going home because he felt he was coming down with the flu. He was angry for having been passed over for a promotion. Then he was never seen again. And the bodies of his five family members were found on fire in a remote stretch of woods in North Carolina. And despite highly advanced surveillance techniques, worldwide watch lists, and interlocking computer networks, Bishop continues to elude the authorities remaining the center of Maryland's most gruesome and mysterious killings. As glaring as the mystery of his whereabouts is, the why of it all, we still have our first degree Tony with us. I asked him how he's reconciled what's happened over all of these years. So in case you haven't picked up on this already, he is still out there. He's gone. More than 40 years later.
3: But that's an interesting question. You know, I don't suddenly turn around and look at the people next to me and say, gee whiz, you know. Uh, I wonder if Malvin maybe would like to shoot me later on today because I want to watch the golf tournament. I mean, I, it isn't it stands 100 percent alone and, and doesn't carry on to either other friends or associates. Um, no, it, it's, a, it's an individual uh, portion of my life that that has not move me to think differently about other people or other situations or be concerned.
4: So we're going to dissect the type of killer that Bradford Bishop is, and he is what is called a family annihilator. And they're interestingly the least understood and um, like researched type of killers. Since the perpetrators usually either kill themselves or immediately confess such cases, cases tend to be solved quickly and disappear from the headlines. But I mean, have we talked about Chris
5: Watts yet? Because yep. he would be yeah, the most did. recent
4: yep. family yes, annihilator. Yes, and, and he's
5: an example of he pleads guilty immediately. So, yeah. so the well investi- not immediately, but well but soon. The investigation the, the deconstruction of him stops because right. it saves money to just okay, yeah, he's not
6: going to go to court. Exactly. One of the
2: interesting things that actually happened last week, though, is that he there there is rumblings that he's going to try to appeal for some reason. He 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 pled guilty because it was either you can go to trial for a death penalty or plead guilty and mm. he would have gotten he's the death sociopath. penalty he's a sociopath and obviously he wanted to keep right yeah but it seems like he just wants to keep on being putting himself out there i'm sure he just wants to stay saying, in the headlines yeah, that's exactly what he wants to do
5: oh but a piece of what's shit what's crazy is that his family still believes that he's innocent, innocent. well they they were like oh he was railroaded into confessing because he didn't want to die. So they yeah. basically just say, you know, his family his family, like his personal family, not his hers. mom and dad yeah. believe, oh, okay. believe that Shanann killed the kids and that he was retaliating. Jeez, it, It's delusional. Yeah, that's crazy.
4: Um, OK, so <clears throat> research into the subject of family annihilators indicates that such killers tend to share one common trait. And that is a feeling that they've fallen short of societal ideals of manhood. And according to preliminary findings, family killings have risen with the unemployment rate.
5: That's really interesting.
2: Yeah. And of course, um, annihilators are overwhelmingly male and mostly white and middle-aged. Remember, we're talking about family annihilators, which is not just killing the children, but also killing the, the significant other. And it's usually um, a male that's doing this. So, um, annihilators are overwhelmingly male and mostly white and middle-aged. They feel, um, you know, from what we've heard about this and the research, the little research that there is, they feel inadequate as men. Sometimes they've suffered uh, childhood abuse. They're uh, having felt powerless as kids. They try to extrict strict control over their households. And they want they didn't have this ideal family life as a child, so they're trying to create that. And... Uh, when the economy is in decline and jobs are scarce and tens- tensions are high, the control that these men are seeking becomes harder and harder to maintain. So um, we can see this in some of Brad's life, and not just around the time of the murders, but also in his early life, too. Remember, his initial goal was to become a physician, but then he had to drop out of Yale for financial reasons, and he decides to work for the government. And who knows why, but he may have considered that. A failure, uh, which really on the outside doesn't seem like that much of a failure. But no, it, kinda it was seems like for him. a, yeah. The types of family, so apparently there are four types of men who are family annihilators self righteous, anomic, paranoid, and disappointed.
5: Oh, disappointed annihilator. That's probably what he is. <sighs>
2: the self righteous men were those who define themselves as the breadwinners and then they lost that identity.
5: He's probably that one. Yeah. yeah sounds familiar.
3: The only thing that, that, that was apparent with Brad is he was he was looking. He wasn't sitting there saying, this is a great career and I'm excited and going forward. He was looking at people around him and where they were, a uh, uh, relative, I would guess, economic out level and feeling of success level. And he, being a very competitive guy, uh, seemed to be questioning where he was in that let's call it ranking uh so there was some um trying to think of an appropriate word for you but disenchantment i would say there was indications of disenchantment of where he was in his career after this uh, tragedy took place we heard the story that he had been passed over uh for his next uh next promotion inside the uh foreign service or the government service And in looking backwards, uh, uh, I I think you could feel that there was an element of frustration when he was here in the fall of that year.
5: Tony also mentioned that he expressed, when I say he, I mean Brad, expressed frustration over the way people rose to the ranks as a foreign officer. He worried he'd never make it to becoming a diplomat or ambassador. And he saw the success of those around him and felt inferior. You know, he was... Tony and their other friends were doing really well, and Brad was kind of bummed about that. (laughs) So, as far as these types wanting control over their household, we learned that his mother essentially ran his. And after the murders, law enforcement found in some of his writings that Bradford wrote of wanting a freer life before his killings. So, let's recap the police theory for the day of the murders and explore the possibilities that we're dealing with here. So, the police believe that after Bradford left work on the way home, Using part of $400 he had withdrawn from his bank earlier in the day, he bought a a two-and-a-half-gallon gasoline can and a small sledgehammer at Sears. That night, police believe that he used the sledgehammer to kill Annette, who was 37, and then he waited for his mother, Lavelia Bishop, who was 68, who lived with them, to return home from walking their family dog, Leo. He went from one one room to the next methodically and killed his three sons, William, Brenton, and Joffrey, 14, 10, and 5 years old in their beds and police say in their beds neighbors did not hear a sound and after disposing of the bodies he stopped at the jacksonville sporting goods store where he was seen with a dog and possibly a woman
3: he left the car in the ozarks and then apparently he went to a uh, store um and used his this is after the murder used his charge card and his driver's license to show the owner of the store because he bought uh, some minor items. And apparently, supposedly, he was with a woman at the time. Um, but here's a guy who was, of course, maybe he's totally deranged, Haven't gone away through him. It seems sort of facetious that he'd wander into a little country store and say, my name is Brad Bishop, and I want to buy this stuff, and here's my ID, and here's my credit card. Um. It's an obvious thing to do, uh, and yet and you think you're trying to escape with a mass murder. And, and you know, which of the pieces are true and which are not, I, I have no way of telling.
4: So then Bishop drove his car 400 miles west to the Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee. The car was found 16 days after the discovery of the bodies, and police bloodhounds picked up a faint scent of Bishop near the park's tourist center. He then vanished. And through the duration of the manhunt, law enforcement was operating under the assumption that he had a phony passport made and he had likely changed his appearance. And at that time, they believed he traveled to Europe by way of his diplomatic passport due to the ease of international immigration in the late 70s. And I guess I was thinking about this earlier, too, because it's like nowadays it's so hard to travel anywhere without mm-hmm. a trace but in the 70s it was just like a free-for-all anybody yeah. could really It was like, like getting on a bus yeah
2: yeah it was like you didn't on even a bus, have to show exactly your id right. to get
5: on a plane
4: right like with nope.
2: D, no with db cooper yeah he did just signed a name and that was it Dude,
5: we should so do a db cooper episode all those files are declassified it would be great Ooh, we should do that well
2: If we can find a relative of his, that would be fantastic.
5: Then we'll know who he is. Yeah, I know. No, we need someone who was on the plane.
2: I've already done a DB Cooper special, and I still get... I know when it's airing. Don't you know somebody that was... No, I know when it's airing, and it's always because... Actually, there are some people. Uh, We could do the kid that found the... um, The the money in the river? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always know when it's airing because I get like 15 emails from people saying... Really? I know who it is. Oh,
4: God. Doesn't everybody? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... There were a number of pretty reputable sightings since he disappeared in 76. There was a Swedish woman and former acquaintance of his that said that she saw him in Stockholm in July of 1978. And a former neighbor said that she saw him on a train platform in Basel, Switzerland in 94. And a former colleague said that they stood next to him in a men's room in Sorrento, Italy in January of 1979. So these were all people that actually knew him and saw him which mm-hmm. is crazy. And that <clears throat> colleague said that I thought he was a vagrant and this man's name was Roy Harrell who is a foreign service officer and he said that he was standing there and I came and stood right next to him and for some reason he turned. In my mind's eye I stripped off the beard and I saw the foreign service officer that I had seen in Washington DC. I just impulsively said, "You're Brad Bishop, aren't you?" and he began trembling and shaking his head and he said, "Oh god, no." and turned around. And he said that he had no doubt that it was him.
2: So another story includes a woman who knew Bishop and his family from when they were working together in Ethiopia. And she claimed to have seen Brad Bishop in a public park in Stockholm, Sweden, in the first week of July of 1978. That's two months after the murders occurred. She described him to be wearing a beard when she saw him. She didn't make an effort to speak with him and only came forward after she remembered hearing something about Bishop murders. And what's interesting about this sighting is that the Swedish police apparently refused the FBI's request for a publicity blitz that would include circulating his photos in Swedish papers and media. And it's not really a mystery as to why these sorts of media campaigns to catch criminals create a large burden on the presiding police force because they get a lot of sightings. It's
5: a huge... To follow up on those kind of tips, like, oh my I don't understand why a foreign government would say no. And
2: we're seeing it right now mm-hmm. with uh, with the Delphi murders, because there's, uh, you know, um, the two little girls who were who were killed in Indiana, they put out one sketch. And they then didn't you catch have everybody... that guy from their phones no. yet? Nope. And they put out one sketch, and they just put out another sketch a couple of weeks ago, and they're getting flooded with tips.
4: I don't, yeah, that's, it's so crazy. Yeah, it's an overwhelming amount. I don't know how they ever... Sift Find the them, right one. Sift through yeah. them to be
5: like this is reputable. This yeah. isn't, especially with men. No offense, men. You all kind of look the same. <clears throat> yeah. So it's like an average. I saw. I've seen the picture of him from that girl's cell phone.
4: Yeah.
5: And he's so generic.
4: Yeah. It could be Anyone. your brain
5: could just imagine anyone's face on that guy. Yeah. So there was also a surge of excitement in 1979 when a newspaper photo of hostages taken by South mullican terrorists in the Netherlands showed a man who looked exactly like Bishop. The resemblance was close, but the man turned out to be a Dutch taxi driver. So clearly, there are a number of theories that have been floated.
3: Somebody who served with him in the State Department claims that he ran into him. And it's either in the, it was either in Italy or in the Scandinavian countries. Um, time frame, I'm, I'm guessing, it was within the first five years after this took place. Um, ran into him, tried to convince him to give himself up, and uh, Bishop ended up leaving the scene. But there have been three or four or five potential sightings, a couple of which would appear to be very valid because they were people that, oh, I better just stick with the one, this, this one, who knew him well. And, and as represented in the press, uh, there was no doubt it was Brad Bishop, and no doubt that he communicated with him, um, and then uh, Bishop fled. so there, there's sightings and I think um, you know I would imagine with any top ten guy on the list they have sightings and maybe nine out of the ten of them are people who think it might have been rather than somebody who says oh no no I've known that guy for seven years and I know who I was talking to rather than I saw him in a window or something uh, you know sort of a fleek
4: So one of the first theories that kind of evolved from this case involves a possible CIA connection. His psychiatrist was interviewed and he said the bishop told him that he was heavily involved in the CIA. And many of the police who have searched for him have suggested that his CIA connections was how he was able to disappear so seamlessly. But according to an article from 1997, the CIA has denied any files on Bradford. And this CIA theory leads to the next one.
2: And the next theory is that these murders were an act of revenge by some Yugoslavian entity due to something that Brad Bishop did when he was spying on that nation. Now, Bishop was trained by the army as a Serbo-Croatian linguist. And two of the things that he, um, that he was doing for army intelligence was, one, he was monitoring uh, Yugoslav broadcasts for any sort of intelligence value. Truly means that he was just listening to radio. He was watching TV, just trying to see if anything was coming out there. But there was also at one point he tried to he 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 was asked to go infiltrate the a a Yugoslavian ski team visiting Italy and try to get those members to become spies for the U.S.
5: Interesting.
2: So for the radio monitoring gig such work hardly spurs target countries to take revenge I it's mean, like it's what you're really, saying cuz it's yeah. very
5: passive
4: it's yeah. very
2: passive he's just writing down this <laughs> anyone might be can this. do it he's
4: literally just walking, watching, watching well, you go watching tv
2: listening to stuff and he's just like writing it down saying this could be this or whatever right. well it. they had yeah. a
4: beer commercial on after yeah. that right
2: <laughs> uh, this is official eavesdropping it's done by every nations so it's not that big a deal so uh, bishop recounted to friends that he failed miserably in this in this uh, ridiculous cold war mission Therefore, it really didn't make that much sense that um, he would be a target of Righteous Fury from Belgrade. And finally, the now defunct Yugoslav regime was not really noted for carrying out assassinations, at least of all against any American officials. A
3: couple of years ago, there was a professor in the uh, New York State College system, who I think he was putting together a book. And he had his own theories of what took place. Um, his, his theory, his understanding was that when Fred was initially in the Foreign Service, he was stationed in Yugoslavia. And in on that, uh, in that station, he had ended up killing an individual in the line of duty. Uh, and let's just say it was a Yugoslav and that this guy's theory, as I believe it, they uh, they don't take lightly to those things and always look for retribution. And he tried to build, or maybe did build a plot around the fact that this whole situation with Brad was a setup that it was done by, let's call them European agents. Did the killing, set it up for him to be uh, uh, obviously uh, accused of the killing. And that he had been, I'm trying to remember this, but I think they had taken him somewhere down, uh, he ended up in a prison somewhere in South America, uh, and was probably dead. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, a wild theory, the type of theory that, that, uh, two weeks after Brad had been killed and somebody threw out, we'd say, well, that, yep, that, that might well be the case, because it certainly couldn't have been Brad. It is wild. I mean, the story is wild. And the conspiracy thing is something that I think uh, uh, could, could well have been generated, um, could, could have no basis of fact whatsoever and could have been generated by people just like me who are sort of saying, sort of hope that there was something other involved. Well, what about this? Or what about that? And that could turn into a, uh, some sort of an account But those conspiracy concepts arose from facts. I don't know. Uh, Supportable in any way, shape or form again. I don't know.
5: When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally. First with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. So, curiously, 38 years after the murders in 2014, Bishop was added to the FBI's top 10 most wanted list.
0: Accused of killing his entire family 38 years ago in Maryland, today police take new steps to find Bradford Bishop.
3: And All we need is just one person to call us with the right tip and we can find Bradford Bishop.
0: The former diplomat is now on the FBI's 10 most wanted list as the search goes international.
3: To be able to take a hammer to your children's heads and faces while they're sleeping, I think, really, exhibits the brutality of the crime. He was an avid outdoorsman. Not only that, he had an aptitude for learning languages. Spanish, Serbo-Croatian, French, Italian. Just a stunning thing. Renowned local tennis pro Jack Shore knew the family well from coaching the middle son. This family was the most American family we've ever seen. It was They were out of a Rockville, Rockwell painting and they were just stunning. Brad Bishop created a new life for himself and could be anywhere. We believe he may even live still in the United States and he may be hiding in plain sight. They say that Bradford Bishop is extraordinarily arrogant and he also often responds in very odd ways to everyday situations. They also say he may still be wearing his Yale class ring, a gold
1: ring. I am the voice for your family who can no longer speak. The time is now for you to contact law enforcement.
5: This is just kind of a fun fact. When Bishop was added to the list after a spot opened up, it was after an MS-13 gang member, Juan Elias Garcia, who was charged in the execution style murders of a 19-year-old woman and her two-year-old son, surrendered. So how it works, I guess, is when a spot opens up, mm-hmm. you can bump someone in. Mm-hmm. And essentially, there's a nomination process where jurisdictions can nominate somebody to go on the list. Okay. And so how this one happened is that the, I have a paper, I have notes here somewhere about whatever, but the police officers who investigated in Maryland and who actually like looked at the scene and all of this stuff saw those hammer marks on the ceilings over the boys' beds and just saw that carnage never forgot and really campaigned for, for him to take this spot oh interesting but still I mean you think there's worse guys yeah you think there's more bad guys out there who have hurt more people I don't know I, I think it's strange but willing to explore that but anyways so the fact that he was placed on the list is interesting and I will let Tony elaborate
3: sedacity. Um, I, I don't know inside the FBI if they're just saying this is something we should have solved and have not been able to solve and just professional pride to keep them going or if there's a little more to the story. Uh, you know, the theory was, well, Brad was good at what he did. Uh, listen to the theory. He was good at what he'd done. He'd uncovered some things and some of the things that he uncovered did him in. Uh, and again, that's more of a positive play on it by uh, friends and associates. But the tenacity and the fact that this thing just didn't go away, um, it would be, that's an interesting sort of shred to follow of why. I mean, why does the FBI have this guy on their list 40 years later? Um, I mean, here's a guy with a mass murder. Uh, Mass murder is all inside his family. So it isn't as though he killed a Rockefeller and the Rockefeller family is providing dollars to solve the issue. Uh, it was all wrapped up into the Brad Bishop family. Um, why? Why, Why? you know, and, and as I say, maybe it's just professional pride that they haven't been able to resolve it. But I have thought on that occasion, what would you do? If you looked across the street and there he was. Um, the articles, I think some of the things you're reading now, he ran into a friend who tried to convince him to give himself up. So I'd probably be in the same mode. I don't think I fear uh, that he'd pull out a gun and shoot me, but I think uh, it's you know it's such a remote potential. But this whole thing has got so many sort of screwy little aspects of it. I guess if I had an agent in front of me, I'd say you know help me to understand why this case two or three years ago suddenly became of interest again. And suddenly he gets back on the list on a on a situation that happened as you know I've sort of already described so many years ago, and was so in its own way very self-contained. It could be a relatively easy one to say, well, you know, we looked it out; it was pretty apparent this guy killed him and he disappeared. And we would we like to find it? Yeah, but how many uh, how many bad guys in the last forty years would be more important to get a hold of? Than this mysterious Brad Bishop guy, how does he get that priority inside the FBI? What, what rose this crime 40 years later, however long it's been, to the point where he's one of the 10 most wanted people in the world? Why? Why should he be? Uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's a conversation I wouldn't mind having at all.
5: So... We have to admit that what Tony says is true. There are some funny things about this case and funny things about the fact that he was put on this list. Yeah. So many years later, you know, um, it is very strange. I
4: mean, somebody just disappearing without a trace, like literally poof into the air.
5: Right. And it is contained to one family, it is five murders and his own family. I, you know, I just don't understand why they chose him out of all the people who were probably nominated. I mean,
2: if he potentially could go get another family and do the same thing, too. And um, you can't get a... Yeah, there's a lot of bad people out there. They got to pick 10 somehow. Osama bin Laden's been on there, sure. But um, I think, you know, having it be so old is is interesting. Um, I know that...
5: uh, But GSK wasn't on there, and this guy is. That's It's
4: just, you know... But was GSK not on there because they didn't know what his name was? That's a good point.
0: Yeah,
2: good point.
5: Have they ever had a look John? At me. Look at have they oh ever had God. a John Doe on there? I don't.
2: think. I'll, I'll have to, like you know, like the, They probably the, have, like the Cleveland Torso Killer or something like that, or the. X-Man or just like they movies, have or... a picture,
5: they don't know who it is. I don't yeah. know. We'll have to look but into just that. just like a
2: with a question mark over their face <laughs> yeah. and like a
5: yeah like a silhouette totally. But so with the addition of Bradford Bishop to the FBI's most wanted list, there obviously, as we disclosed before, is a, a resurgence of media attention when something like this happens. So an episode on Bishop aired on CNN's The Hunt with John Walsh. Love him. And that year, the FBI followed up on more than 480 tips or leads that they were given about Bishop. Yeah, America's are going probably they, the random just ones. just what they followed up on.
2: Well, and that's so um, John Walsh caught somebody very similar to this guy in John List, and he did it on America's Most Wanted. John List had killed his wife, his mother, and three children in Westfield, New Jersey in November of 71, then went on the run. And Walsh broadcast it on America's Most Wanted, and boom, they got him. But was it, was, it The that Hunt was 18, or America's Most Wanted? That was America's Most Wanted back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I think Walsh probably went back and looked at this and said, like um, I this, is, that this guy. is so similar, yeah. I this guy. The only well, it is, was is on that-
5: America's Most Wanted. Okay, so- Bishop was on America's Most Wanted in 1989. Oh, cool. oh he was? Okay, yeah. Yes, but nothing. So he's going happened. back to that.
2: Yeah. Uh, he was able to, f- to catch John List, who, by the way, he ge- he said it was financial problems and also that his family had kind of gotten away from God. And that's the reason why he oh, did this harmless diet. Oh,
5: you're super close to God with your yeah. murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, your...
2: Um, but that was only, eight, that was he, he was on the run for 18 years. I mean, this is 38 years. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? Keep looking, man. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Mm-hmm.
4: So the manhunt that was almost 40 years later was different mostly because law enforcement now had DNA at their disposal. The FBI were able to extract DNA from a cigarette butt left at the North Carolina murder crime scene. So they had a way to conclusively identify him. And they also had Bishop's dental records from a 72 dentist visit. They were offering a $100,000 reward for information leading to his arrest. Tips were flooding in, and one of those leads resulted to the testing of a DNA of a quote-unquote loner whose body turned up dead off the coast of Mexico. He looked a lot like Bishop, but it didn't end up being a match. And Bishop lookalikes were spotted in bars, truck stops, grocery stores, and even a bridge club as a result of the 2014 campaign. And one very interesting piece of information um, that eventually turned up was a witness coming forward who revealed that Bishop engaged in multiple affairs prior to killing his wife, something the agency said that was not previously known in all the years prior to the murders. So could this explain that random woman that he was with At, in Jacksonville, after? Yeah.
5: You know, and it's, I think it's so interesting that in the original investigation, they didn't kind of smoke this out. Yeah. Because... It, it looks like a like he snapped until you yeah. learned that, right? Because then it's like, oh shit, I can. It was maybe like the the passing over for the job was the last straw. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I might as well fucking start over. Like, right. I, I don't love my wife. I'm in love with this other woman. Oh, well, and
4: who knows? Yeah, he might have another side family. Like, you have no idea probably, what the hell is going on.
5: Probably. And I, you know, I think at some point we should talk too about could genetic, like, what would genetic genealogy do in something like this? And it would, would it only mm. be useful if he had a kid? Yeah, and it would only be useful if it was his. You know, it's it's mitochondrial DNA. So, what could they do?
2: Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. It would really be only if he he had uh, family, family. Yeah. And, uh, really, what they're doing with pulling the DNA is that anybody that they might, you know, you hope that they did it. They put it into codis and just in case he does get arrested or picked up or something uh, down the line, and then they can run it. But it's really it's going to be a lot of this stuff. Hey, we found a guy that wound up dead. Is this going to be the guy? and then they'll just test it and see if it was him.
3: Right. Let's assume he did it.
2: Uh, He did it in the United
3: States. He has, as I've read, he was fluent in five languages. Uh, I would think you would want to take advantage of that. So I would think that he would have been, uh, you know, these various sightings in Europe. I think one was in Africa. Um, He was very, very comfortable in Italy. Um, I would have thought he would have stayed in europe somewhere but that's just me thinking i it tends to come my impression from the fbi and when i say from the fbi from various articles that i've read over the years is that they uh, they seem to think there's a greater chance that he uh, might live down the street and around the corner from me that he stayed uh, undercover in some format in the united states and i you know what, evidence that they have for that, I I don't know. But I I think if if you were talking to the FBI, I I would guess that they would say, well, yes, he went to Europe, but we think he's been, I think they feel he's been in the United States for a lot of years. It's the thing, you know, the intriguing thing about it, it's a mystery that is unresolved. And that's um, uh, if, if it were yeah, I think that's a truthful statement. Now, the FBI may say, there's no mystery. This guy killed these people. The only mystery is where is he? Well, okay, then that's the
2: part of the mystery that's unresolved. And it'd be sort of fun to look at the FBI and say, and why can't you find it? So another tip led to the arrest of a different fugitive when agents responded to some information in December about a man who was living in Mexico who resembled Bishop, only to later find... That the eighty-one-year-old man was actually a different guy that they were looking for, Robert Anton Woodring, who was wanted in Florida for failing to show up to jail on fraud charges in 1977. So he was arrested, extradited to Florida, and nothing came of that. But then some
5: good though, caught a fugitive. There you go. But fraud, fraud, fraud fraud, I mean, take your fraud, leave it alone. He's eighty-one. Not
2: exactly what you're looking for. But one particular lead prompted the FBI to conduct a body exhumation. So. Again, this is what we're going to be seeing with having the DNA is, yeah. hey, remember this one guy that this, the, 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 no, John kind of Doe, similar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So in 81, there was a body found on the side of an Alabama highway. Uh, the killer, when he was killed, he had no ID on him. Nothing that could it, it could lead to any clue as to who he was. And again, there are 40,000 to 60,000 unidentified remains in storage lockers and in pauper's graves across the country as we speak so this is just one of those and a police officer on the case was unable to identify him always bothered him and then in 2014 he was actually watching john walsh's the hunt and he sees a very close resemblance between bishop and the hitchhiker the hitchhiker had the same cleft chin otherwise known as a bum chin sideburns distinctive noses they then lips and the same hairline and it's possible that all this time, Bishop had been living as this homeless vag- vagrant in the South. You know, the authorities were excited about this. So the John Doe in the Alabama case, um, th- they said, you know what, we're going to dig this guy up, see if it matches the DNA. And they exhume him in Scottsboro, Alabama, and it's not Brad Bishop.
5: So they believe, they must believe he's here. To put him on the top ten most wanted list in America. Yeah, yeah, but the prevailing theories up until 2014 were that he was abroad. Yeah, so that's why I think there's so many curiosities in this. In like, that- what are
2: they not telling?
4: Yeah, yeah. What, what why is, do what you is think he's leading here? him to believe that he's here? Yeah, exactly. Not else. Why
5: do you think he's here? Why are you ex- you know expending all these resources on this? Thirty-eight-year-old case, yeah. and why do you think he's an Alabama vagrant when you were taking the possibility that he was in Europe seriously for thirty years? Well, yeah. I, I
2: think the Alabama vagrant thing. I think it was this uh, this police officer made such a strong case, and it's, it's sort of like might as well,
5: right?
4: Who
2: you know, and they said, "All right, listen, we'll pay for it too." Right. I and mean, That's the big thing with exhumations because it costs money. Yeah, got to get a backhoe, got to do all this stuff. So,
5: right. All right, so then in June of 2018, the FBI removed Bishop from the FBI Most Wanted list, the top 10. And the FBI only has three criteria for removing a fugitive from its Most Wanted list. And I thought this was interesting, and I had to go on like a dig to figure this out. Yeah. So the charges are dismissed. The individual is no longer to considered to be particularly dangerous or a menace to society. Or
2: they're he's captured. captured. Yeah. yeah.
4: What if What if they can't find him for a long time? The that's what just
2: that well, I, I think. I that's guess what they're trying to say that he's not a dangerous menace to society or, because he's so old, but, or, or he might be dead.
5: Right, or there's like, oh, we don't know how to address this. We usually catch them. <laughs> like,
4: That's yeah, what I'm because, saying. What because if you got? T- otherwise, what if he would ten- be
2: on forever. What if you've got you have got know?
5: ten people that are just
4: on the run forever? Then you're never going to get. Feel pretty dumb. They're not going to get a move. That's why I
5: feel like they probably put people on that they think they can catch. Because yeah. FBI is also about PR.
4: That's true. Oh uh, yeah, they're like this guy. We actually know where we where he is. So we're going to put him on for a and week and then catch him
5: <laughs> and catch him. So we look we're like Bekato's, we really know what we're Bekato-sama. doing. sama.
3: That's true. In my thinking, probably fair to say, Brad died a number of years ago, and the fact that the FBI kicked this thing open again a few years ago was surprising to me because they must have some uh, feeling that that at least at that time he was still alive. Uh, my understanding is they've taken him off the top ten list about six months ago, and uh, he's no longer there. But and that was done in the. the uh, what I read on the cause on that was that it was a, uh, they had somebody sort of, somebody worse to replace him with. But Wait, uh, so uh, you know, that's, there's a little bit of an indication right there, uh, Alexei, in that, you know, I still do on occasions go to the computer, ring up Brad Bishop and sort of see, uh, yeah, I'm telling you it's all gone, but obviously there's a portion of it that still pops up. And of course, This conversation with you, you know, got me to go look again and see what was going on.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
1: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, so the final theory
4: that we're going to go over is one that many people believe to be true, and it's probably the most plausible one, and that is that he committed suicide. So many people believe that when he parked his station wagon at the Smoky Mount- Mountain Trailhead, his intention was to hike up to the mountains and kill himself. And while suicide may seem like the obvious option after he killed his entire family, why didn't he do it at his home? Why did he bother to load all the bodies and drive them to North Carolina? Like, there's a lot of work if you're just going to end your life as well. And a lot of people look to the box of antidepressants that he had left in his car as some evidence that he did, in fact, intend to kill himself. Why would he have brought his pills with him?
5: Right. Like, why wouldn't he? Like, if he needs these drugs, why wouldn't he just kill himself? But it's possible that he had another supply of pills with him. And then he left the half box of pills to mislead the police into thinking he killed himself. I mean, it can't
4: be that hard to get more pills.
5: Right. And he was a genius. So it wouldn't be. We see this with our very very sophisticated killers, they mislead at crime scenes. They do it on purpose to try to thwart investigations and get people off of their trail. So another thing, too, that we haven't mentioned yet, from the home, the crime scene where the murders occurred, his house, he also packed a suitcase with clothing. A bunch of his clothes were missing from the house. So this is an act of somebody who wants to bring his favorite suit with him. Right. It's not... Like a frantic guy who acted impulsively and is going to go kill himself.
4: Well, and also I don't know if that we had this on here. um If I stop it, no. But I was like reading today that he, they also never found his passport or his ID or
2: right. his wallet. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah he could have easily. Yeah. I don't think he committed suicide.
5: I don't either. Hell no, no.
2: Yeah, because another thing is, he also bought shoes at that sporting goods store.
5: It's got to have a new, sp- the one in Jacksonville with yeah. that Shiny woman and the dog yeah you don't
2: yeah so he didn't buy do you think he bought i'm gonna get a new pair of shoes and then go on a hike to go feel myself yeah no i don't think so so you know how do we find this guy that's the question and can social media do it and since that's my ballywick i will say that potentially it could you know just getting pictures out there and pictures of him in various states we know that he had a beard what would he look like with the beard all that Mm -hmm. and uh just continually sharing things. It's one of those deals that it, it was 38 years ago. People are going to have to rack their brains, but mm-hmm. you know, you have to. The thing that's different about the crimes that I use social media for, because I don't, I don't do fugitive cases, is that uh, we know so much about him and what he was like and what he want liked, and you know, he had all these languages and this and that 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 he's identifiable as opposed to uh, searching for information about a, about a crime when you don't know who it is. So. Right.
4: And he is like a very interesting looking guy. Mm-hmm. And I had posted on our Instagram, they did like a police rendering, which by the way are crazy now.
5: I know it's like, like a 3d,
4: it's like it's like a, it's like a clay Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah.
5: It was, like, it's like what he'd be like on Gumby old.
4: It is. <laughs> I mean, but it's really like he has these very like discernible features. Um, so I mean, it it like getting the word out there like we've obviously never heard of him before, and a lot of people haven't. But maybe now you yeah. have, and this guy could be living right next door to you.
2: Yeah, and the you know doing the the sort of clay bust things, and and uh, that's how they found John List. They actually uh, they made a a, um, a a sort of a clay bust of him. Yeah, and colored it and painted it and everything like that. And It was actually kind of dead on. Was it? Yeah It's really
4: good. Oh, I want to
3: try to look that up.
2: With the passage
3: of time, of course, things smooth out and uh you begin to uh, i think just based on the magnitude of the effort to find him and, and the publicity at the time um you begin to absorb the story and assume it's true and then again with the passage of time you your life goes on today it's today it's a yesterday event and and i have sort of maybe i pacified myself thinking brad was probably dead 10 or 20 years ago and uh under whatever circumstances um but uh has not has not been alive for a long time and that's that's probably a, a personal way of trying to sort of close down the story and i say that and then uh tomorrow i could well be sitting on the computer doing things and say, oh, "I wonder what i find under brad bishop today so it it, it closes but it doesn't really close I would love the final page in the book, I really would, which would be somebody uncovering a body and saying, oh yeah, this is a guy and, and tracing that back, this is what, what has happened. Um, it's either an extremely complex story uh, that somebody else is involved, or it's exactly has been presented in the press, uh, a guy that just went off his rocker.
5: I mean, I just think it's interesting. It's baffling to all of us that this guy's still missing, but imagine knowing this guy. Like, he was a groomsman in Tony's wedding. Insane. And, you know, Jack, we're close enough for that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, imagine one day I'm like, peace, Jack. I'm like, good to see you. Let's, we just played tennis with the kids. And then you hear that I murdered my entire family, mom, and kids. And then I'm just gone. And he said some things throughout the course of both of these episodes, which if you guys have been listening, you would have heard. He's like, I just expect I expect all the time to just see him. Yeah. And I wonder what I would do. Oh, my God. Because, I mean, I think it fucked with him once he knew they were looking here, that he thought they had some information that put him here. And it's mm. like, you know, they were all best friends. So the idea that, like, maybe he would show up like, dude, I'm. It's not going to be to his mom, <laughs> no. Nope. or it's not going to be, you know, it's, it's really just, I can't imagine that feeling. I can't either.
3: We paralleled ourselves in a lot of that early life. I also grew up and married a high school sweetheart, so we double dated a lot. I mean, just because the circumstances were, were similar, um, maybe, perhaps I related to it more than I normally would have if it had been uh, somebody else in high school. And to suddenly take news off the front page and put it in your heart is a, uh, you know, in some form or another, it'll to all of us as we work our way through life. This one comes with uh, dramatic pictures and headlines.
5: So, as we've conveyed, this case is an incredible mystery. And the manhunt in the FBI's areas of focus prompt more questions than answers. We talked about The fact that he was thought to be in europe but they searched here so brad is only one of 34 fbi most wanted criminals out of 594 to get away with what he's done at this point so and he's only the 10th person removed from the list since 1950 without prosecutors dropping charges or the fugitive being captured or dying so does this mean that brad bishop got away with brutally slaughtering his wife mother and three young sons or is there still hope? And will we get another just breakthrough like we did with the Golden State Killer case? These are all questions Tony has mused used about over the years, oh, yeah, which is understandable.
3: But this, uh, you know, there's enough uh, dramatics to this and enough today with the capacity to play with the computer. You can go back. I mean, I can go in the computer, which I did two or three days ago, you know, looking forward to talking with you, and look it up and say, well, what's going on now? And, you know, 100 years ago, we couldn't have done that. Uh, So you can bring it back. Now, when it comes back, what are the emotions? Uh, At this time, uh, pretty flat, I would say, on an emotional level. It's more I'm I'm reading a news article. And it's uh, if there was a news article about John Jones next to it, Certainly I would have more reaction to the Brad Bishop story than the Jim Jones, but it is, uh, uh today it's, today it's yesterday and like your life, my life, a lot of things go on that uh, replace yesterday's.
4: So when Bishop was last seen in 1976, he was six foot one, 180 pounds, brown hair and brown eyes with a six inch vertical scar on his back. In 2014, the FBI released New composite images of what he would look like today, with silver hair and wrinkles. He's known to have carried his father's thirty-eight special with seri- serial number C nine eight one nine six seven, and he should still be considered armed and dangerous.
5: Tony, thank you for sharing your story with us.
4: Thank you, Tony.
5: Because this is an you know this is an old case. There aren't going to be that many people who knew him since sixth grade, right? And I was so grateful that. You told me at our family gathering, and it's just further proof that I'm connected to so many people who are connected to murderers. It's insane. It's you really, really are. I've got like most, five yeah. more episodes coming up. Of just from fa- friends of friends. Or my personal family members, which TBD, I'm waiting for that to be resolved. Yikes. Did I tell you about my cousin in Hawaii? No, we can talk about that later. That'll be its own episode.
4: <laughs> um. Yeah crime con crime con you guys come see us at crime
5: con use our code degree19 for 10 percent off your passes if you steal billy's boutonniere off his jacket you get a hundred dollars
2: oh from from who though from us yeah no we can't give a t-shirt or something <laughs> where's our merch by the way
5: <laughs> i'm making it i have to finish filming this damn tv show first okay one hundred dollars if you either steal the boutonniere or pin a tail onto billy Pin a tail into Billy. I don't have
2: anybody pinning any tails? This is really it up it.
5: to you. It's hundred dollars for really,
4: really <laughs> emasculating you. <I> cry <laughs> gone. And just in Life. <laughs> he loves it. Oh uh, no, he loves it. Um, okay, follow us on Instagram at the First Degree at Jack Manick, at Alexis Linklater, at Billy Jensen. Write us your First Degree stories. We have but a probably l- not
5: Jack because sh- it'll get lost in her DMs. I know. I read
4: my DMs. I no. just
5: I sent you the one that the girl sent me. No, but to rewrite that name into Instagram, I know. To, it's and then I'm it- not going to reply to
4: the the First Degree DMs. Unless it's like a crazy fucking case. Right, right.
5: Um, but I, I'll i try.
4: Alexis will. We have a lot of cases rolling in. So, um, yeah, we'd like to tell your story. And uh, until next week, keep your friends close, but not that close. Happy No Socks Day, bitch. Happy, happy VE cupcake. Day. Happy cupcake as a gift day.
2: Happy, happy winning the war over oh, yeah. the Nazis' day.
4: VE sounds like VD. It does. It, I thought it, it does sound like venereal disease. I Z.